Previously on Flying the Line, ALPA President J.J. O'Donnell anticipates that a continental strike could prompt a bankruptcy filing. This podcast is brought to you by the Airline Pilots Association. ALPA supports its pilots through a variety of resources, including pilot peer support, or PPS. PPS is a support network that connects ALPA members with trained pilot peers to talk about any personal or professional problems you may be experiencing. For contact information and to learn more, visit alpha.org pps. Welcome to the Flying the Line podcast, a look into the past of the Airline Pilots Association, a bridge from the book Flying the Line, Volume 2, by George E. Hopkins. Chapter 11, Bad Dude Rising. Frank Lorenzo Grabs Continental, Part 3. Against the dramatic strike backdrop and the failure of the Continental employees to buy their airline through a stock ownership plan, the Frank Lorenzo era had begun. It was complicated by merging the Texas International, or TXI, and Continental pilot rosters, crushing debt, which Lorenzo had saddled Continental to acquire, and transitioning out the leadership between J.J. O'Donnell and Hank Duffy. The leadership transition was a difficult one. Duffy and his new team were learning the ropes. They knew next to nothing about Lorenzo and his techniques when they took command. Early in Duffy's administration, he began a series of meetings with airline CEOs, both to get to know them and to present his position. Because of Duffy's Delta background, most airline CEOs were curious and eager to meet with him. Duffy recalled that the people he worked with in Delta management went out of their way to tell others that he could be dealt with and was tough but fair. Duffy tried to get to know all CEOs, but he did not meet Frank Lorenzo during the whole Continental strike. Duffy was extremely busy during the first half of 1983, and Lorenzo's unresponsiveness went virtually unnoticed. But shortly before the explosion at Continental in August, Lorenzo announced his plans to declare bankruptcy to break his unions. Don Breeding, Lorenzo's chief operations officer at TXI, contacted Duffy about a face-to-face meeting. Breeding, whom the TXI pilots intensely disliked, suggested Duffy and Lorenzo have breakfast together. He offered the opinion that since they were both serious long-distance runners, they might find that they had enough in common to establish a working relationship of some sort. This reasoning appealed to Duffy, who wanted an eyeball-to-eyeball feel for Continental's new boss. Duffy was about to fly to Houston when an emergency arose at Eastern, and he headed to Miami instead. This was just before the bankruptcy. Duffy later wondered if it would have made a difference if he had simply met with Lorenzo. Probably not. By the time Continental approached Duffy for a meeting, things had already deteriorated badly between the airline and its pilots. What little goodwill remained from the days of Bob Six had evaporated. Additionally, an ALPA president must always be wary of management efforts to undercut an MEC. With a history of difficult relations between Continental MEC and ALPA National during the O'Donnell era, 
Duffy initially thought an arm's-length approach would be prudent. In retrospect, he believed it might have been wiser if he had just met with Lorenzo personally. When Lorenzo bought Eastern, Duffy decided he needed to meet this new CEO. He said that he couldn't go through another whole cycle without at least sitting down and having a talk with him. So, a breakfast was arranged where the two chatted. Duffy reported that Lorenzo was surprisingly informal and gracious, and he felt it was important to keep communication channels open. But there was a serious obstacle to resolving problems between Lorenzo and the Continental Pilots, the pilot group itself. Because the TXI and Continental Pilots were merging, a variety of internal factors badly divided them. The merger hampered their effort to craft a united front against Lorenzo. On June 29, 1983, TXI MEC Chair Ron Waters wrote to Duffy, complaining about a proposed joint meeting between the two MECs and Lorenzo, scheduled for June 9th, which Continental MEC Chair Larry Baxter had sabotaged. Warning that Baxter was falling victim to a Lorenzo stratagem to divide the two groups, Waters asserted that a split would clearly help Lorenzo's game plan. The previous week, Waters attempted to arrange a meeting between the TXI and Continental MEC officers to go as one solid group in the event the pilots were faced with a strike. However, Baxter strongly indicated he didn't think there was any purpose in such a meeting. At separate June 9th meetings, Lorenzo and Stephen Wolfe, the president of Continental, told the two MECs that they wanted concessions, intended to take on the International Association of Machinists, and expected the pilots to cross IAM's picket lines. Waters reported to Duffy that management anticipated the IAM would strike around September 1st. Sources within the company suggested that the TXI pilots would cross the picket line, but the Continental pilots would not. Waters deemed this rumor a serious attempt by Lorenzo to further split the pilot groups. As we have seen, the TXI pilots emerged from their baptism of fire during Frank Lorenzo's initial foray into the airline business badly burned. The Continental pilots regarded the TXI pilots as defeatist because of their horror stories about Lorenzo. The TXI pilots saw the Continental pilots as insufficiently worried about his greed. The TXI pilots' irritation, aggravated by the normal stresses of integrating two pilot seniority lists, became more acute over the Continental pilots' condescending attitude toward them. In a nutshell, the TXI pilots thought the Continental pilots viewed them as bush leaguers who had been unable to cope with Lorenzo. The TXI pilots also smarted from the Continental pilots' insinuation that the big leaguers would now bring Frank to heel. The TXI pilots tended to see their earlier battles with Lorenzo, particularly over New York Air, as unappreciated. Many of these difficulties were probably unavoidable, owing to the normal stresses of merging two seniority lists. But there was general agreement that Larry Baxter's leadership style made things worse. 
Baxter was Lorenzo's equal when it came to rhetorical sparring. On more than one occasion, Baxter made Lorenzo look bad in front of his executives. While most pilots approved of Baxter's ability to trade insults, the problem was that he had trouble turning off his abrasive style when dealing with internal alpha matters. The election of the first combined continental TXI MEC provides a case in point. From the time of Lorenzo's merger of Continental and TXI in October 1982 to the eve of the strike in 1983, the pilots were joined in name only. Although the airplanes had all been repainted with Continental's colors by early 1983, Lorenzo held an advantage by keeping the two groups divided and suspicious of each other. Things would have been bad enough without Lorenzo's meddling, as anyone who has ever been through a merger understands. Baxter made things worse by failing to control the tribal instincts of the Continental Pilot Group. Not surprisingly, in the first election for officers of the merged airline, the TXI pilots were completely shut out. Continental and TXI had only two local councils in common, Denver and Houston. Dennis Higgins, the leader of the TXI pilots, recalled that they barely knew the Continental pilots. They were vastly outnumbered. Higgins told Baxter that the TXI pilots must not be disenfranchised and that the Continental MEC chair should pick a leadership position for them in the merged group. He said that the TXI pilots would supply a candidate. However, Baxter ignored this olive branch. Duffy, watching the situation warily, also tried to intervene to ensure that the combined MEC contained at least some tokens of unity. The legacy of antagonism that existed from the days of J.J. O'Donnell's presidency had diminished, but Duffy was powerless to force the Continental pilots to elect anyone from TXI. In addition to the Continental-TXI split, there was also an intracontinental split. Gary Thomas, displaced from the MEC chair's position by Bob Strauss following the 1976 strike, led a significant anti-Baxter faction. Thomas was openly critical of what he called Baxter's lack of people skills. Careful observers of the all-continental MEC fiasco cited the episode as an example of Baxter's flawed leadership. Higgins recalled that Hank Duffy backed him as the new MEC chair, but warned that Lorenzo would try to drive a wedge between them. The Continental pilots thought Higgins was being overly dramatic because they were confident they could handle Lorenzo. Almost without exception, people who knew Larry Baxter, both friend and foe, announced that he was equal to the challenge of dealing with Lorenzo. They said that he perhaps relished the confrontation. But he wasn't foolhardy. Baxter recognized that shutting out the TXI group was unwise, so he eventually asked Higgins to join him to foster unity. Higgins agreed and became quite visible on the MEC despite not officially being a member. 
Almost immediately, Continental's unionized workers found themselves at the point of Lorenzo's assault. They were the logical first target because Lorenzo was, in fact, a one-trick pony in a strictly business sense. He had no interest in the technical aspects of the airline business, nor was he an innovator or a motivator. In fact, Lorenzo cared virtually nothing about the airline business. He would have been as happy manipulating the affairs of a widget maker as an airline. But, fiercely ambitious, possessed of a towering ego and a raging temper, Lorenzo also wanted to be big. He wanted to run the biggest operation around. Going after Continental's unions was Lorenzo's most attractive avenue of attack in a heavily unionized, labor-intensive industry. The weak state of the economy, due to the 1982 recession and the initial dislocations of Reaganomics, helped. Lorenzo would later argue that his financial predicament meant that he had to extract a lot of cash from somewhere in the company, fast. This was brought on by the debt-leveraged process that bought him control of Continental. But at the time he declared bankruptcy, Continental had plenty of cash on hand. It was not broke. Nobody should have been surprised at Lorenzo's disregard for the truth. He had earlier promised California legislators, in writing, that he would not move Continental's corporate headquarters to Houston. He took less than a month to break that promise. In addition to his alleged financial predicament, Lorenzo also had another weapon to bludgeon his pilots, the fact that the non-ALPA pilots of American Airlines, through their union, the Allied Pilots Association, had agreed to the industry's first non-expiring two-tier or B-scale contract in 1982. Given the actively anti-labor political climate of the early 1980s, Americans' competitors quickly moved toward B-scales themselves. ALPA-represented carriers generally responded by asking their pilots for across-the-board concessions, typified by United's notorious Blue Skies contract of 1981. This approach tended to unify senior and junior pilots, limiting how much management could extract from them. The B-scale concept played to short-sightedness and human greed. It pitted pilots currently working against those who weren't even hired yet. So it was fiendishly clever. Oddly, Frank Lorenzo didn't ask the merged pilots of Continental and TXI for a B-scale. He had something far more sinister in mind. A B-scale for all of them, right now. Next time on Flying the Line, airline deregulation and the evolving nature and influence of the Republican Party. Thank you for listening. This has been Chapter 11, Part 3 of Flying the Line 2 by George E. Hopkins. Copyright 2000. We hope you have enjoyed this podcast. To listen and subscribe to more in this series, please check us out online at alpa.org or find us on all major podcast platforms. Until next time, this is the Flying the Line podcast. 
a look into the past of the Airline Pilots Association International. Production Copyright Alpha 2023. All rights reserved.